Now at 8am on this morning, 100 years ago at Limerick Prison, uh, Con McMahon and Paddy Hennessy, the Clare Republicans, were executed by the Irish Free State. The Clooney IRA men had uh, taken the anti-treaty side and were the first men from Clare to be executed in a policy that shocked the country. On the same day, 11 IRA prisoners were executed in total. Uh, this Sunday at Clooney Graveyard, a centenary commemoration uh, will take place. Uh, the guest orator at Sunday's commemoration at Clooney Cemetery will be Dr. Tomás McComera, who has written about the controversial civil war executions of both men. Uh, Tomás joins us on Morning Focus. He's in studio. Good morning to you, Tomás. Thanks for coming in. Hi, Alan. How are you? Very well. Good to see you. And uh, we're also joined by Patricia Hayward, who's spent many years researching the story of uh, the executions. Good morning to you, Patricia. Good morning. And thanks very much for being with us. Um, There's a lot in this story, uh, Tomás. Can you just give us a bit of background first on uh, Con McMahon and Paddy Hennessy? Sure. Yeah, well, Con and Paddy were both very active IRA volunteers from the the start of the War of Independence. But what I suppose is significant about their civil war experience is that as that experience continued, they became more and more significant within the county because as senior IRA volunteers throughout the county were arrested. There were several deaths, particularly throughout the kind of late summer of 1922. Uh, Con and Paddy didn't elevate in their significance. So when we get towards the end of 1922, when, when the policy of executions had been introduced by the Free State government, you, you, you have a scenario where when you look to County Clare, Con and Paddy certainly are two of the more senior and significant IRA officers within the county. So therefore, they would be led targets as such for the Free State particularly for arrest and getting them off the field because when they're got off the field the, the influence that they have is, is removed add to that the fact that they were both culturally very significant within, within the county, particularly Paddy Hennessy who was county secretary of the of Clare GA at the yeah. time of his execution. You know, we all know now that is a, a position of, of real significance culturally, you know, and sporting within the county. He had been elected the previous January of 1922 um, you know, as part of a policy of, of the republicanisation I suppose of all organisations, but at the same time, Paddy was a recognised hurling figure within the county. He had been close to making the county team in 1914 when they went on to win the Ireland and so on. So there are two very significant uh, Republican and cultural figures within the county when they're lined up for execution and this morning 100 years ago. And just when you're mentioning that Paddy was um, the county secretary, you know, it's a role we usually assume nowadays with men of a certain age, but uh, both that and the fact the civil war itself back then, I mean, these were young men. Paddy was 29 when he was executed, Con was 27, so he was county secretary at such a young age and we might touch on it again in a little while the kind of how you know the civil war was brother against brother friend against friend one of the men who was at the the convention the night he was made county secretary had a, a role to play in his execution but can you tell it take us through some of the actions uh, that Con and Paddy had to carry out as members of the Clooney IRA yeah well again I suppose typically for for all IRA volunteers and as you rightly say young men they had to be involved in very violent acts I mean this is the reality I mean there is of course uh, you know an idealisation which is understandable because we we respect and and appreciate what they did but both Con and Paddy you know grew up uh, in, in, in in Clooney, you know, in, in rural County Clare, were from farming backgrounds 
Stones, played hurling, did all of the ordinary things that young men did. And then it came to a time where, like all of many of their contemporaries, they decided because of the, you know, the commitment they had to their country and I suppose the idea of, of independence, they put themselves in very violent situations. And both of them were involved in, in physical acts uh, against the British forces, particularly Khan, for example, in the attack on, on Rouen RIC barracks, which is a significant moment in terms of its success, but also in its violence. It led to the death of an RIC man. So both of them were involved throughout the War of Independence in all of those acts, as well as the other mobilisation of Sinn Féin and the Republican movement and electioneering and so on. So they were recognised, certainly, for their commitment to the physical force element of the Republican campaign. And I think it's important to recognise that from the start of the Civil War, they had taken a very clear stance uh, as an anti-treaty, in the anti-treaty context. And remembering that the first anti-treaty IRA men in the country to die was their comrade, Joe Considine from Clooney. So there's a picture at, a fo- at, a, at the funeral of Joe Considine where Con McMahon can be seen. And it, it was very clear to them from the very first death that taking the anti-treaty position was a very dangerous situation, a very serious situation. And that became more and more clear. So when we reached it January 1923, you know, these men are hugely committed. And, you know, we have to examine, you know, the entire experience, of course. But I think there is a tendency sometimes to kind of present the anti-treaty IRA as somehow reckless. They, they were labelled as the irregulars, as a deliberate, you know, delegitimization of their position. But you have to at least um, recognise the sincerity and commitment to the these men had because it was not an easy decision or an easy position to take to be an anti-treaty IRA leader in the early part of 1923. Yeah, it is hard. I often think, you know, you try and think back a century ago and, you know, these men younger than, than we are. We're, we're still both young men to us, but these <laughs> men were even younger than we were. And to be that committed to an ideal and to a cause. And as you say, when their colleague was shot and died up at the, the, the forecourts, that's a real example of, you know, they knew then this could end in our deaths but we are committed to this yeah absolutely and I mean even you know the the possibility of death of course was very very real but the absolute certainty of isolation was there so you take for example from the 15th of October when the Free State Government announces the the, uh, emergency powers bill uh, which enables them to execute Republican prisoners that obviously clearly includes them Mm. a week later the pastoral letter by the Catholic Church denounces them you know as as criminals it states clearly that they'll be excommunicated and so on. So they know that this position is the most difficult position to take. You know, it is not to, to belittle the free state position, yeah. but it isn't, it shouldn't certainly be taken lightly that somebody takes a clear anti-treaty position. And you're right, 29 and 27 is, is very, very young. But there were far younger men, you know, and I, I say that in the sense that both Hennessy and McMahon were very, very conscious of the decisions and the positions that they were taking. So it is all more to their credit in, in, in the context of that, uh, of those positions. So t- take us to the events of the 16th of January 1923 uh, when uh, the men were arrested. Yeah, well, I suppose, firstly, one of the key strategies of the anti-treaty IRA was to undermine the working of the free state, uh, of the free state, Uh, you know, the free state government, but also the free state itself. Because, of course, they didn't subscribe to the state as as a legitimate entity, and therefore anything that could uh, undermine its workings would be would be attacked. So the 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 financial running of it, post offices, banks would be would be would be attacked, but also uh, uh, railroads. 
and and the the uh, sort of um, the tracks and things well, like. all of that, but yeah. that whole functioning and that whole architecture of government and 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 economics had to be attacked, and. As part of that, Con McMahon and Paddy Hennessy and many of the Clooney IRA went to Ard Sullish Railway Station near Quinn on two different days, on the 13th and 14th of January 1923, and, you know, derailed several uh, track lines, the signal house and so on. And that seemed to be what they were charged with when... Two days later, on the 16th of January, they were arrested in a dugout in Clooney. Now, there's a significant gap in the sense, even though it's only two days, because particularly in the context of historical consciousness, memory and so on, the fact that they were found is really significant. There had always been this sense that they were betrayed somehow. And this is a typical kind of a theme throughout that story uh, and that experience that it seems evident somebody gave information as to where they were in Lasana and Clooney. And on the 16th of January, Free State forces arrived there and arrested both Con and Paddy Con's brother Vincent who, who is important to remember in this whole story and also Jack Darcy Jack Darcy from Clare, who had lost two brothers you know one drowned while being chased by the RIC in 1919 his other brother was actually executed by the IRA on the allegation of being a spy so you know these are two figures in the story we often don't think about but they were arrested on the 16th of January taken into Limerick jail and again it's important to say that maybe of course there would be worry within the families but there would wouldn't certainly be, you know, the feeling they're going to be executed. I guess there's so many people, so many prisoners in there um, that, you know. There are thousands of prisoners and and many of them are in there for for maybe an an act that led to the death of a Free State soldier, for example. That isn't the case with Con McMahon and Paddy Hennessy. So there wouldn't necessarily, in the patterns that are establishing, now it is becoming intense. The 8th of August, the 5th, sorry, the 8th of January, the 15th of January, there are executions in, in the Free State. So it's happening at this time. But at the same time, you you know, there wouldn't be undue worry amongst the McMahon and Hennessy families. But of course, what's the real, uh, you know, tragedy is this is part of a sort of a diffusion of executions and death by the Free State, particularly on the back of Kevin O'Higgins' approach to ensure that there were executions throughout the country. They had been taking place in Dublin prior to 1923. And then as part of that policy, there were executions in different parts of the country. And uh, it is at that point that two um, IRA officers, both of them from County Clare, Michal and Austin Brennan, come into Limerick Prison on the 19th of January and the following morning is Peter O'Farrell, a Limerick IRA volunteer who sees the Brennans in the yard, uh, two of the Clare column, as he describes it, are executed and that's Paddy and Con. And this was the man I was alluding to earlier on because Austin Brennan was there the previous January, the year previous, the night that Paddy Hennessy was elected County Secretary. Exactly. Um, and he had a hand in selecting who would be executed. Yeah. He his brother. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I suppose it is important to say that, I mean, the, the, this this comes from a policy from, you know, Kevin O'Higgins and the Executive Council. But clearly, when the decision is made that, that the, the, you know, executions must take place in this area, uh, you, you can't ignore the possibility that, uh, the probability that Michal Brennan and Austin Brennan have a role in selecting them. Michal Brennan is the, the you know, senior free state officer in the area and Austin Brennan is, is, is also a senior figure. And the fact that they're seen there, you know, the night before before the, the two lads are executed is hugely significant, particularly because of the intimacy of it. They knew the men, they knew each other. You know, this was the case right throughout the whole experience, of course. That tragedy of the intimacy that's involved in this whole experience just brings it all the more uh, to, to, to bear, I suppose. 
an incredible story and they were the first uh, Clare IRA men to be to be executed. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is really significant. You know, I mean, there were five executed in, in, in total in County Clare, three of them towards the very, very end and in fact, after officially the Civil mm. War, you know, in, in May 1923. But it, it's really significant given the fact that these were two so, you know, significant IRA figures in the county, significant cultural figures in the county. They had not been involved in killing anybody, you know, and even if you took the free state position, which we have to consider, I mean, they need to run a state. They need to, from their position, confront the people who are trying to undermine that state. And, and that has to be understood. But if you're looking around the country to see who do we execute on that basis, from a purely technical point of view, then Paddy Hennessy and Con McMahon haven't been involved in the deaths of any free state uh, soldiers, any free state personnel, yet they're picked because it seems uh, clear that it's part of that spreading of death throughout the country. So Limerick and Clare would potentially be affected by their execution. Just before I go to Patricia, can I ask you about the charges? While you say to Moss, they, they, you know, they weren't involved in the killing of any men. Um, the char- and having read excerpts from the letters that they, they wrote to their family, because they were told basically the evening before they were executed, it was 8am the morning of the 20th they were executed, they were <laughs> told the evening before you were going to be executed. Uh, and I'll ask Patricia about this, I was struck by how calm and measured the, the letters are. One of the men, I think it's Paddy, mentions these charges, you know, we just felt they were bogus, what they were charged with. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, again, it, the calmness is is remarkable in, in, in their letters, but that's probably the case in, in many of the letters. I've read almost all of the letters of, of executed men from the Civil War, and there is a remarkable sense of calmness and contentment almost in in their actions and their, in their decisions and the fact that as they saw they were going to die for Ireland. But Paddy was clear in his letter, which is important, where he mentions to his sister, Teresa, that the, the allegations were bogus. In some cases, some of the other you know, executed men didn't really care because they knew they were going to be executed and it didn't matter what the charges were. But Paddy seemed to be clear he wanted that to be known that the allegations were bogus. But certainly the allegations even weren't that they had been involved in killing anybody. Um, the allegations were on the basis that they had arms, that they had uh, you know, been involved in Art Sullish and so on, which they had. But um, yeah, the, 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 the calmness is remarkable. There's one further point to make in, in that context of, of being told the night before. It would be only after they were executed that the families would find out that they had been executed. So there was no time for the families to prepare for their execution. It was subsequent to that that they were told about it. Okay, I'll tell you what, there's lots more in this to discuss. I think we'll take a break now and when we come back, uh, we'll be bringing Patricia in um, a very, very interesting kind of family link there uh, to this whole story. Stay with us on Morning Focus. We'll have more after this break. And you're very welcome back to Morning Focus where we're continuing our chat uh, about the uh, Clare men, the Clare Republicans, Con McMahon and Paddy Hennessy, uh, the first Clare IRA men to be executed uh, and uh, also we're talking about the uh, upcoming uh, centenary commemoration uh, to mark their executions and we're joined in studio by Dr. Tomas McComra and we also have with us uh, Patricia Hayward and who has been researching the story of Con McMahon and Paddy Hennessy for many years and I think Patricia will bring you in at this point. Um, Tomas has done a very good job of telling us Paddy and Con's story and you know yes. the links it to Claire GEA and so on and um, you know the circumstances behind their, their execution the, the, the link with yourself is that your father Patrick Arton he was born in the same townlands that Paddy and Con were captured in on the very night they were captured Absolutely yes um, and he shared the story of his birth with me uh, when I was 10 years old. We were living in England. Um, I had very little knowledge of um, Clare or my Irish ancestors. Um, 
that both my Irish grandparents had died by the time I was five. And as a child, I never went there. Um, but the catalyst for my father telling me this story was um, a newspaper article he'd come across in the Irish press one Sunday um, about a letter which Patrick Hennessy had written on the eve of his execution. Um, and he told me that in the early hours of the 16th of January, 23, my grandmother, Mary Ison was in labour uh, with my father's birth at our farmhouse at Lazana and uh, was being assisted by local women. And meanwhile, the two um, anti-treaty activists, Hennessy and Mick Mahan, who were from neighbouring farms to ours, uh, were in hiding on the run from the Free State Militia um, in a dugout nearby. Um, they had been helped by my grandparents and also by other neighbours and relatives over the course of the previous few days. And in fact, they had been moving between various dugouts and safe houses in the area. Um, a couple of other houses had been raided that night and uh, there were lookouts posted actually um, at various strategic points along the road. Um, my great uncle Patrick was also living at Lazana and in order to escape the commotion of the birth I suppose um, he wandered out of the house and climbed up onto one of the three hill forts on our farm to smoke a cigarette. Um, and he was standing near the old elm tree there when he looked down into one of our fields below and realised that there was a skirmish going on and that um, clearly the Free State Militia men were in the process of arresting Hennessy and McMahon. Um, they were being brought out through what's known as the fourth field at Lazima, which I've always thought was deeply symbolic, actually. <laughs> um, and Hennessy was actually pinioned between two militiamen, and he was being dragged along the ground. It would later emerge that, in fact, he'd been shot through the leg. Um, Con McMahon was being led out in a more sedate manner, um, and suddenly glanced up and noticed my great uncle and saluted him and they were gone. Um, my great uncle ran back to the house to tell his family and as he rushed through the door, um, he was greeted with the news that my father had just been born. What a... <laughs> Well, an eventful night, to to say the least. And I, I, you've do, you've clearly done a lot of research into this, Patricia. And I'm sure you were amazed at what you found out about you, you know your family background. I did reference the letters that Con and Paddy wrote uh, to their loved ones on the eve of their executions, and I referenced how I was struck by how calm and composed they were, given they'd been told by eight a.m. the next morning their lives would be ending. Can you give us a little sense of what was said in those letters? Yes, um, there, are, there are several letters um, in existence. The majority of them are actually copy letters. Um, 
there are two original letters. One was written by Conn McMahon to his older brother, and that's actually in possession of a McMahon family member. And there's also one original Hennessy letter that we know of, which is the letter that Thomas alluded to and is now in Australia, and it was written to his sister, Teresa. But there are copies of other letters that were certainly written um, and the policy with such letters, I believe, was that family members and members of Kumanaman would copy the letters for general distribution. And in the case of Hennessy, one of the most copied letters was a letter which he wrote to his comrades, which we refer to as the Sean letter. It was probably sent to Sean O'Grady, who was a comrade who was also on the run with them, actually, and had narrowly escaped arrest himself that night. Um, and Hennessy, in that letter, uh, poignantly asks that um, his cigarettes, he had apparently 17 boxes of cigarettes on him when he was arrested. He asked that the cigarettes be distributed amongst uh, the men of the Clooney Brigade um, on his behalf. He also emphasizes in that letter, and indeed in all all three letters that we know of, um, that he has, uh, they had seen a priest on the eve of their executions and been given absolution, uh, which was quite a development actually, because they, as Thomas said, they'd, they'd been excommunicated and um, they hadn't fully probably expected to be allowed to see a priest, but they were. So uh, the letters are full of forgiveness, uh, which never fails to startle me. There is um, a quality of grace, equanimity, a desire for no retribution to be taken, um, and um, a wonderful sort of strain of Celtic spirituality almost that runs through the letters, yeah. particularly the letter to Jenny McMahon, which Patrick wrote. Um, Jenny McMahon, Conn's sister, was in fact Patrick's sweetheart, and the letter to her is incredibly moving. Yeah, which is an- um, another um, another interesting link. And I just want to um, go back to Tomas to finish. Um, there's obviously a, a fallout from these executions, and we see that in the fact that it was some 20 months later before the two men's bodies were buried in their their, their community. But th- this weekend is going to be a, a, an important commemoration this Sunday, uh, the 23rd, at Clooney Cemetery at 1pm. You're going to be the guest orator. What, what's going to be happening? Well, look, I mean, the, the central thing is to, is to mark the occasion, and it's important to say that, you know, throughout the decades, you know, various different groupings, fr- from Sinn Féin to community groupings from the 1930s, have been commemorating Con and, and Paddy Anjo Constantine as well you know he's never forgotten as part of this story this overall story so it, you know it is always important in these anniversaries to, to remember um, but I suppose the function is beyond uh, just that symbolic uh, idea because it is important for people to know this history it is important for 
them to understand the, the, the significance of the civil war for us politically and, and so on. But it's also important for them to understand, I suppose, the sacrifices and the bravery and the courage of people like Con McMahon and Paddy Hennessy and Joe Considine. And maybe in the way that it is represented in the letters, you know, as, as, as Patricia so beautifully described there, but the, the essence of their story and the idea that they felt there was something more important than, than themselves. And I think it is something that's maybe lost in modern culture because there's a tremendous individualism, I think, in, in contemporary society. But the, you, you alluded to it as well, this idea that these are young men and, and committing themselves to this, you know, scenario, which was very, very dangerous for them and not easy for them at all. So I think it is important for us to understand their story. We'll try and, re- you know, reflect on that on Sunday, you know, in Clooney Graveyard. And I know that all, everybody is welcome. And I will also say, you know, that it, they'll be welcome in a, in, a, in a year's time when it's 101 years since their death. So there continues to be an importance to the story of Con and Paddy and the broader uh, history of that period for, for the people of the, the county and the country. Yeah, certainly a, fa- a fascinating story.